This is Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup on New York Red Bulls Radio at TuneIn, Backheel.com, iTunes, and Stitcher. Here are your hosts, Mark Fishkin and Eric Giacometti. The New York Red Bulls are winners 4-3 over the Houston Dynamo, coming back not once, but twice, led by MLS Player of the Week Felipe to deliver a fantastic finish at Red Bull Arena. It's Seeing Red, Mark Fishkin, Eric Giacometti. Tonight on Seeing Red, we will go inside Frankly, a wild, wild match, and one of the craziest matches in the six-plus year history of Red Bull Arena. Really, one of the craziest matches that this franchise has ever played. You had players popping hamstrings left, right, and center. You had Felipe putting on a, 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 an absolute show for the fans. Um, you had two furious comebacks. You had Dax McCarty, who, by the way, is our guest tonight on Seeing Red. He will be surpassing my Petke for the most appearances by a Red Bulls player or coach on this year's show. And we've got some fantastic emails and uh, off-the-schneid episode of Seeing Red. Eric, how are you tonight? I'm doing all right. I think I just finally caught my breath from that match on Saturday, so all is well. Unbelievable. First goals of the season, and of course, New York frankly, could and should have scored earlier on an obvious handball in the box that seemingly everyone but the assistant referee was able to see so clearly. Yeah, seems seems to always be the case where you get a, a call here or there that doesn't go your way. But on the night, I mean, I think they uh, they just managed to do enough to nick the result. I mean, you really couldn't ask for more in terms of dramatics when you have those two unbelievable goals from Felipe. Uh, seemingly out of nowhere, because I know a lot of fans were you know kind of upset with Felipe and his shooting acumen uh, throughout the year. So uh, last year, his you know bomb against Portland, not included. But mm. th- those two goals, I mean, what more can you say about? It? I mean, just putting the team team on his back uh, and, and snatching a result from it looked like they had blown it I mean let's be honest when they go down 3-2 uh, seconds after Grella equalizes they concede on the other end and you're thinking well here comes an 0-3 start and uh, you start asking questions about you know the future of the 2016 season uh, but all of a sudden it gets turned on its head and as you mentioned one of those moments at Red Bull Arena that I think is going to last for a long time you know uh, the attendance is, you know, about fifteen, sixteen thousand. But I got a feeling about double that are going to say that they were there on that night. Yeah, it's one of those amazing nights of franchise history. And you had, of course, Dax's late header against RSL, and you had uh, JPA's free kick against the same Houston Dynamo, the five-four game at the Meadowlands uh, when they beat LA in Beckham's first game here. I mean, this was it was a shootout. It was crazy, and there were some things in this match that I have never seen before. I've watched a few matches in my 40 years on the planet, and I have never seen a single team suffer three hamstring pulls from three important starters. And, of course, if you're, if you're told that they're going to lose Verone and, ba and Zubar to injury, but they're going to win the game, I mean, I don't know too many players, uh, too many folks that would take that bet. Um, I'm just kind of curious. I, I talked about this earlier this week on, on Soccer Morning a little bit with Jason Davis. Uh, do, you, do you believe, is it possible? I mean, obviously the team had lost two games in a row. They hadn't scored yet. Were they pushing themselves just a little too hard at practice? 
Oh, I mean, that's tough to say. I, I think there was definitely uh, an air of frustration surrounding, uh, you know, the way that the season started. That's for sure. I mean, you could see the guys were, were pushing themselves very hard, but I, I feel like that's kind of the case week in and week out with this team. I wouldn't say that they were overexerting themselves, per se. Uh, I, I do think, you know, it, it's early in the season. Uh, these things tend to happen when you, you look at the three guys that went down injured. You have Gonzalo Verón coming back from an injury. Perhaps he was rushed back a little. Not to say rushed back, but even Jesse Marsh himself uh, said today that he kind of wishes he had held off on him a little bit longer. You have Ronald Zubar going down, who is kind of the, the poster boy for getting injured all the time. Unfortunately, we don't really. This has to be his fourth or fifth time missing games in the one plus seasons that we that he's been here. I mean, it's been it's rough. A... And then and then you look at you look at Gideon Ba, who's a, a newcomer to this system, and uh, you know you look at some place like Liverpool where Jurgen Klopp takes over, and they have a similar gig and pressing style. And when they're you know the players went from Brendan Rodgers' style to Jurgen Klopp's, they kind of you saw lots of hamstring injuries popping up because they weren't physically equipped to deal with it. So maybe that's a little bit of it as well. Whereas you know some of the veterans come into camp knowing exactly what Marsh's system will entail of them. So it's it's unfortunate. Obviously, you never want to see three starters uh, go down with injury. But the way they rallied uh, around and you know that makeshift back line, you have Kamar Lawrence playing center back, uh, Connor Lee putting in a heroic shift. I thought uh, that's something they could definitely build on for the rest of the season. Phenomenal play by, by Connor Laid. And is it any coincidence that Felipe joins the show last week, then scores two goals as name player of the week? I don't know. That's the seeing red I'm bump. Not- I'm not saying there's a connection. I'm not saying causation causes correlation or the other way around, but we'll take it. Well done, Felipe. Um, Sasha Kleschen also had a phenomenal match. And if you are a stats fan, then you may be confused by the MLS Audi Index, which I don't think has been fully explained by the league as to what it is. But nevertheless, Sasha Kleschen has topped the Audi Index, which is a amorphous performance index, um, and there's a great highlight video on MLSsoccer.com that kind of has an ISO cam on Sasha, and he was distributing with ease, and I know that last week we had a, an impassioned letter by our friend of the show, Miguel Nunez, about wanting his uh, central attacking South American midfielder, but looking at this video clip, I mean, Sasha was absolutely doing it all. Uh, in both directions, scored the first goal after DeMarcus Beasley takes a swing and a miss in the box, which was not the only swing and a miss in the box that we saw in this game. Um, crazy, crazy match. But uh, fantastic play from Question all around. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I feel like Sasha's one of those players where you don't necessarily, you can't, always quantify exactly what he does on the field and what he brings. I mean, obviously, towards the end of last season, he started racking up the goals and assists, uh, but he, he always finds himself in those pockets where he's able to relieve pressure and, you know, take a ball that's, you know, kind of haphazardly thrown at him and, and manage to turn around and, and play a perfect one-touch pass and, you know, spring someone down the wing like Kamar Lawrence or Lloyd Sam. Uh, he, he just constantly does that, and he always manages to pick the right pass. Uh, I, I don't think he gets quite enough credit for it, because as we said, he's not the typical number 10 in the mold of those you know creative yep. geniuses that we like to talk yep. about uh, Miguel don't blow up my uh, my Twitter I'm sorry <laughs> but I, I I tend to think that uh, that Sasha has really come into his own uh, in that position and I think he's a, a huge asset to this team 
Yeah, for sure. And a, and a great performance. There was a lot said uh, going into halftime that Jesse had, had told uh, Tina Servacio that the team was playing scared and playing tight. And, you know, obviously Bradley, who is his own harshest critic, had a golden opportunity early in the game and pushed it, you know, right into Joe Willis's chest on somewhat open, open net. And he gave kind of an impassioned halftime speech about playing without fear. And I, I think shared with his team like it's a long season and we're talented and you know I think instilling we talk a lot about the chip on the shoulder but instilling in this team the ability to just take the fear and make it go away and we certainly saw that in the second half yeah that, that's that was the kind of the uh, the theme in the locker room after the game was that you know Mike Grella gave this you know impassioned soundbite that I love that I use it several times in, in pieces throughout the week that they, they were playing scared and that they maybe forgot that it, it didn't have to be so complicated maybe they were so worried about the tactics and you know the retention lines and pressing and all of these things that, that can make the game very complicated when they, at, at the end of the day uh, it was really just about grit and, and grinding it out. I know that that can sound cliche, uh, but it, it really was. If you just look at that performance, when they had their backs against the wall, you know, some heads were dropping, you could see the fans letting out a sigh when they went down, and it was a real mm-hmm. gut check time, and I, I think they were able to answer the call. And I, Jesse Marsh even took a little bit of accountability today when I spoke with him uh, about that pressure that they feel and, and the mistakes that they made. Uh, he, he admitted that maybe he was a little bit too focused on eliminating the mistakes and that the player that in turn caused players Got to be tight. tentative. So, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's kind of a delicate balance between, hey, we need to stop these self-inflicted wounds that are causing us to give up eight goals in three games. Uh, but at the same time, you have to just go out there and, and not overthink every little detail and just go out there and play the game. The irony, of course, is that the team allowed two goals on horrible individual gaffes, and Dax McCarty talks about uh, conceding goals and the notion that these are individual gaffes, but obviously we have to talk about Ronald Zuvar pulling an Ole in the box before he was injured on a ball that was completely preventable, and then uh, I think a little less... uh, horrendous was Kamar Lawrence attempting to pull the ball away from Will Bruin by uh, throwing his leg up in the air while he probably could have gained position. And obviously, if this team is going to, you can say, turn it around, they're three points out of the top spot in the East right now. They're they're above the line in week three, uh, which, you know, is a wonderful thing. But um, Frankly, the team has to clean it up. They understand they they have to clean it up. Obviously, the injuries are going to take a toll in terms of having the players that they want to have on the field every week. But they're not going to win games with the kind of defensive gaffes that we've seen over the last couple of weeks. No, and and they know it as well. As I said, you know, Jesse and and Luis and Sal, all of these guys, they understand that a lot of these are self-inflicted wounds. And, you know, it's funny, you look back at that Houston match, and of the seven goals, it's kind of a a split between the, uh, you know, amazing goals that just leave your jaw dropping, and then, you know, for the wrong reason, they leave you, you know, kind of gasping because you have the, the whiff by Beasley, the miss by Kamar, Ronald making a mistake at the back, and then Mike's, you know, kind of gritty goal. And then you have Alex on the other end for Houston and Felipe's two wonder goals. So it's a crazy game in that sense where it could be either, you know, majestic or just making you, you know, facepalm. But the Red Bulls definitely do need to shore it up in the back. And it's going to be even tougher, as we said, with, uh, you know, Gideon Ba out, Ronald Zubar out. And then you have guys like Kamar Lawrence and Carl Emet, who were the center back pairing on the day after those guys went out. And they're away on national team duty with, uh, with Canada and Jamaica right now. 
now. So that makes it even tougher because they won't have this week to prepare. Although it is a bye week, they won't have to uh, prepare for a game right away. So maybe they'll have a little bit of time to get it right. For sure. Um, let's go to Bullen Cow, and then I want to get into the, the injury status that we had talked about. Uh, for me, when you're the player of the week in MLS, you are the bull of the week on seeing red. Would you agree, sir? Yeah, it's kind of hard to say anyone but Felipe. Anyone for Felipe, and then I will. Uh, I, I guess hamstrings are the cows of the week. I mean, again, I, I've I've never seen three players bail with the exact same injury in the same match on the same team. Hamstrings, horrible, absolutely horrible. By the way, I mean, you had mentioned Grella's goal. I've never seen a goal like that before. I've never seen that before. Especially from a guy like Grella, we're used to, uh, on the other end of the spectrum, you know, Grella Dino, where he pulls up these uh, amazing, you know, feats of, that, that leave you just wondering how he did it, and then he ends up scoring a goal where he just kind of throws his foot out there, and David Horst clears it into his foot and off the underside of the goal, and it, just, just a wild night. It's hard to describe just the, exactly what went on in those 90 minutes. But... That's the ultimate high press when you're almost standing in the opponent's net. I mean, he was four feet from the goal line. That that was that's the high press. Tremendous. The high press on Red Bull. You just got to press them directly into the goal mouth. That that is it. Into the goal with you. He was he was a little jacked, and I think a bit of a statement for Mike, obviously, because he had lost his starting role to Gonzalo Verone, and obviously, considering how long Verone will be out once again. Mike will be called upon. So I thought, uh, talk about a chip on his shoulder. He was he was really jacked. Um, small crowd. It was in the low 40s in March at night, and that was not a big crowd. And I know the games are on TV, but that was a game that people are going to talk about for a real long time, and a much smaller crowd than should have saw that game. So that's what I'll say about that. Uh, so injury status update. As you said, uh, Verone and Ba and Ronald Zubar are, will all be out. The team is very fortunate that they don't have a match this week. What are your thoughts on, or rather, you were, you were at, uh, at the training center today, of course. Tell us about what we know about the player status. Yes, yeah, so, so none of those guys were obviously on the training pitch today. Uh, all, I'm, I'm sure, doing their own you know, rehab or, or what have you. Uh, but it's 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 a really tough position for Jesse Marsh to be in. You know, he he admitted that this is you know it, it's going to be a, a very steep challenge for them to kind of cope until they they get a hundred percent again because you know two starting center backs you know going down is going to is impossible for a lot of teams to cope with. And then you look at the Red Bulls in their depth chart. You have Carly Met as we mentioned. He's away with Canada, and then it, and then it goes down to you know someone like Zach Carroll who he he made the eighteen in Montreal when Zubar was suspended. Uh, could he be someone that gets called upon? And then you look at a, a, a trialist in camp that we saw today, Amobi Okugo, a guy who spent some time with the Philadelphia Union, uh, you know, Orlando City and Sporting KC, I believe. So, you know, is he someone that can that, that can seamlessly fit in? Which it's a it's a big ask because even someone like Zach Carroll, he said to me today that the player that he was, you know, going into Florida for preseason is not even close to the player that he is now. Just because mm-hmm. there's so much to learn, there's so much to adapt to, and to ask someone to come in, uh, you know, um, almost a month into the season now and say, okay, well, we're we're hurt in the back, so we need you to step in and start. You know, he's he had a very uh, good couple of seasons. You know, as a center back, he played some defensive midfielder as well for the Union, uh, but can he step in and do a job? I think that's yet to be seen, but that's part of the evaluation process that Jesse and the staff are going to have to take care of. 
Absolutely. And, of course, the team is off until April 1st, uh, Friday, April 1st, when they go up to Foxborough to play the Revolution. Uh, other Red Bulls news before we break and bring on Dax McCarty. Uh, it's, it's always important that you start them young and you instill what's important to this franchise for Red Bulls youth players. This week, this weekend, actually, the Red Bulls U13 team beat DC United's U13s. Eight nil. That's quality. And not only that, eight different scorers scored eight goals on the Red Bulls uh, opponent, the DC United U13. So uh, you talk about the future being bright. That's pretty phenomenal. Also, we thought we'd share uh, the Red Bulls will host Autism Awareness Night at Red Bull Arena on Saturday, April 9th, which is their next home game against Sporting KC at 7. And if you are buying tickets for that match and use code AUTISM2016, a portion of the sale will be donated toward Autism Speaks. There will be a quiet zone available for fans in attendance affected by autism looking to take a break from the game. This is the second straight year that the Red Bulls will host an Autism Awareness Night, and uh, Seeing Red uh, urges you to take part if you are going to buy your tickets. Um, It's a fantastic charity, so keeping that in mind. Uh, When we're back on Seeing Red, we're going to talk to the captain of the New York Red Bulls, who will be breaking the record for Red Bulls player appearances on this year's show. That's the captain, Dax McCarty. You're listening to Seeing Red. We'll be right back. You're listening to Seeing Red. Back at Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup, Mark Fishkin, Eric Giacometti. Off the schneid, good week. Good week for the Red Bulls. And it's a good week because we have uh, the captain of the New York Red Bulls, And that's Dax McCarty. He's starting his sixth season with the club, a 2015 member of the MLS Best 11, and he is currently on 170 appearances in all competitions for the club, which is good enough for third all-time behind Dane Richards and Mike Petke. And this, his 12th appearance on Seeing Red, is the record for an MLS player surpassing uh, the formerly mentioned Mike Pecky. Dax McCarty, welcome to Seeing Red. How are you? Um, very good now that I got that awesome bit of news. All those things you just said, the Seeing Red record, man, that's, that's what I'm most proud of. Uh, and as you should be, some might say. Absolutely. Flattered. Um, Flattered and, <laughs> uh, and I hope I can extend that record. I think, uh, I think Luis will probably be coming for me soon, but... I think soon enough, but you know we can we can make some deals uh, off the show to, to keep <laughs> it on top. Um, let's let's talk about uh, the monkeys off the back goals scored. Most important three three points that must feel really good for you, and it must feel really good in the locker room. Yeah, yeah, it, it feels good, and it's uh, it's definitely nice to get the first one. Um, I think I don't I don't have to tell you guys uh, how difficult it's been at least since I've been here to start the season off strong. I think last year was basically the only time since I've been here that we've actually had a good start to the season in five or six years. So, you know, it's not always easy for us for, for what, one reason or another. We've been, you know, perennially slow starters, and last year was a little bit of the uh, the exception uh, rather than the rule. But we wanted to have a good start this year. Unfortunately, um, that wasn't the case. But we never lost focus. We never lost confidence. Um, you know, we, we certainly... Uh, 
we certainly needed uh, a boost, that's for sure. Um, so to have a game like that, um, where I think, you know, it, it re- re-energized the team, re-energized the fans, uh, the fact that it happened at home was, uh, I'm sure some people probably like a more straightforward 3-0 victory, but uh, you, can't say that it was, you can't say that it wasn't ex- an exciting game, got fans off their feet, uh, butts out of the seats, um, and obviously you had a tremendous drama and performance uh, from Felipe there in the last 15 minutes of the game. So, yeah, certainly certainly a, uh, a good result and a, a welcome uh, victory. Dax, when, when we look back at, at that game and the way it unfolded, I mean, obviously, we, we like to talk a lot about you know the tactics and the high press and all of that, but just from talking to Jesse and a couple of your teammates, it seemed that the second half was more about uh, just a gut check and, and seeing if you guys could you know kind of reclaim that mentality that you had from last year. Would you agree that it was more just about mentality than it necessarily was about tactics? I would. I would agree that it was probably more about that. Um we know, I mean, we're not dumb. We know, we know the success that we've had has, has made it, uh, has, is going to make this year a lot tougher than last year was. Um, it's a funny feeling, you know, when you go into a season and no one really expects much from you and you prove everyone wrong, uh, it's a little bit easier than when you go into a season and, you know, people are expecting you to be great and successful and everything to go your way. Uh, and when things don't, you know, that makes it tougher. You have a target on your back. I mean, we've talked about this, you know, a lot in the off season, a lot in preseason. Um, you know, we get this was usually the case because we had the big stars. Um, you know, with with you know the Tim Kales and the Thierry Henrys and all these guys. You know, it's usually the case that you want to get teams teams want to give you their best shot. Um, last year, you know, that wasn't so much the case, probably because of who we lost and, and the type of team that we were and viewed as. Now this year, with the success we had. Last year, uh, we're viewed at, again, among that top tier of teams. And, and, you know, every game we play is a, is a grind. Every game we play is a battle. Tactically, teams are prepared for us. They know what we want to do. We don't shy away from the fact that, you know, we play a certain way against every team. Uh, we feel like we're good enough to be able to do that. Um, and it makes it tough for us. And, and you know, it's not going to be easy this whole year. But like you said, the second half wasn't about tactics. Uh, you know, we, we haven't seen that same, uh, intensity that we've had, you know, carried throughout the, the last year. And I think that's a, a tough thing to, to continue. You know, that's, it's, it's tough to continue to stay motivated when, you know, you know, you have a good team and, um, you know, you're returning so many players, but it's always, it's always much different to follow up a successful season with another one. So, we need to make sure we find that same intensity, that same heart, that same desire uh, that we had in the second half, uh, starting that, you know, from here going forward. Um, you know, we need to forget about the first three games of the year. They're done with, but we certainly can take solace in the fact that that second half was what we needed in terms of an intensity and a heart and, uh, you know, a desire standpoint. Dax, you've played in a few matches in your day. Have you ever been in a match where you've lost three teammates to, to hamstring pulls in one match? Never. I've never, never, I've never seen that I've, happen before. You know, I've never been involved in a match like that, and I've never seen it. And I watch, you know, I watch a lot of soccer. I'm a little bit of, I'm, I'm an older version of Tyler Adams. You know, he, uh, he loves soccer, and I, I, I do too. I enjoy watching games. I try to watch as many as I can. You know, I follow a bunch of different leagues, and I promise you, I've never seen a game where. 
three players had to leave in the first 15 minutes of the game, all because of hamstring injuries. I've never seen that before. I think it's certainly an outlier uh, in terms of the way that you know the Red Bulls operate and function. And we, we stayed really healthy for the most part last year. So I don't know. I don't know. You know, for whatever reason, why that happened. Um, I know we'll look into it and we'll, we'll try to. The coaching staff will, will definitely make sure that won't happen again. But that was that was uh, that was gut check time right there. Um, you, I, I like I like uh, the word character. I mean, that tested the team's character beyond a shadow of a doubt. You knew with about 40 minutes left in that game that after Connor Lay got subbed in, that the 11 guys on the field were, for better or for worse, you know, going to be the 11 guys that finished the game, barring another injury. So um, I think that was a good thing for us. Our backs were against the wall. Um, you know, I think a lot of doubt was creeping in amongst uh, amongst people watching the game, the fans, you know, probably thinking, all right, you know, these guys are finished two losses already, down 2-1 at home. Um, you know, a lot of doubt. It's easy to creep in, but... We showed our character. Um, we certainly we stayed after it. Um, it's not an easy situation to be a part of, and I guess, like you said, it was a good week for us. Unfortunately, the only bad part was losing three three good players to injury. So, luckily, it's at a good time for the international break. Hopefully, we can get some of those guys back faster than, than anticipated. But you know, we've preached about our depth all all off season, and we're going to be tested early. Uh, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't touch on the play of Felipe and obviously him kind of carrying the team down the stretch with those two amazing goals. You know, given your relationship with him, did you uh, did you know he had that in his locker that he could uh, you know pull off two of those amazing strikes? And then if you just look at the game, does that compare at all to the four three game that you guys won against RSL, where you, you obviously had that <laughs> diving header laid on? And does does one maybe top the other in your mind? Yeah, I'll. Uh... Felipe first. I mean, I, I knew he had that in his locker because, you know, I, I've I've played against. We've had some good battles going up against each other, not just in training, but also when he played for Montreal. So, if you guys remember, you know, he was an attacking midfielder for Montreal. He very, very, very rarely played uh, deeper in the midfield for them. He was either a second forward or an attacking midfielder uh, solely. Um, and so, I think with us, he's he's kind of tweaked his role a little bit. Um, you know, sat next a little deeper next to me. Um, I always knew he had that in him, you know, that capability in him. We haven't seen it too much. We didn't see it too much last year. He got forward occasionally, but um, I knew he had that ability. Uh, and we see it in training a lot. We saw it, I think, a little bit against Portland. His ability to strike a ball is, is very good. His technique is very clean. Um, and I, I don't know if you guys saw my tweet after the game, but I honestly, right when just before the second half kicked off, I just said to him, I said, listen, man, we're – you know, we're, we're going to have to just attack. We're, we're going to have to we're going to have to play on the front foot. We're going to have to get more numbers around the box. You know, we're going to have to really put Houston in a tougher game um, and make them more uncomfortable defensively. Like, you go forward. You, you do you know do the things that I know you're capable of. Let me kind of hold the fort down uh, back here in the back and, and try to help the defenders out and dictate the pace of the game. You go forward and try to get on the end of chances, create chances, create goals. Um, and, you know, the two goals, they speak for themselves. They were great. But uh, I thought, especially in the second half, you know, we did a, a really good job of supporting the attackers, um, you know, being that, uh, you know, that guy along with Sasha in there that could really help, you know, dictate the pace of the game and the flow of the game and uh, be dangerous in, in all the attacking moments. So that was great for, for him to see, uh, for all of us to see, you know, gives Felipe confidence, which, you know, when he's confident, that makes our team better. So uh, I'm happy for him. It's been uh, it's been a good ride. We've had playing next to each other, so it's hoping to continue. But as far as the uh, the four three game, yeah, I I 
I'm going to have to be a little biased here and say the RFL one still sticks out a little bit further ahead in my mind, if only for the reason that not so much that I scored the game winner, which, you know, still to this day is one of my my proud my proudest moments in, in uh, a Red Bulls uniform. But, you know, the drama that surrounded it, the time of the game, um, you know, I, I still to this day don't think I've ever heard Red Bull Arena louder um, than after, after I scored that goal. So I still am going to have to rate that one number one, uh, followed closely by this one at number two. Um, but they're, uh, they're games that you always remember. You, coaches hate games like that. They never want to have to see their team go, go come back and tie the game and then go back down two minutes later only to tie the game and then go on to win the game. I mean, I think Jesse probably has a couple more gray hairs now. Um, but coaches hate it, players and fans. You know, I'll say that we love it, especially when you come out on the, the winning end of it. It's, it's those memories that uh, those types of games you'll never forget. So it's it's certainly a good way to start to get our first win. Um, now, you know, the serious part of me is, is just going to have to finish it with a more serious thing. Like, we just have to be better defensively. I mean, there's no excuse. You know, we've given up eight goals in three games, and that's never going to win you a championship. So I'll, I'll always look at that. I'll, I'll always probably try to focus more on the negatives and, and see how we can improve. But certainly an unbelievable game to be a part of. You, you, you'd stolen our next question was about eight, eight goals conceded in three games. Yeah. What what well, I, can yeah. be done to tighten that up? Because as you I'll said... Tell you what, it's, uh, it's easy, you know, it's easy to just sit there. Um, it's easy to sit there and, and watch games and say, all right, well, you know, this guy made a mistake and that led to a goal. This guy made a mistake and that led to another goal. The defense isn't organized. That led to a goal. The defense isn't tuned in. That led to a goal. It's easy to do that and, and, and do it after the fact. But the fact of the matter is, is we've never been a team... Uh, especially, you know, since Jesse has come on board, we've never been a team that's, that's won games based on individual ability. And we've, we've never been a team that's going to sit there and lose games based on individual mistakes. So to me, it's a, it's, it's a full team effort. It's all 11 players. You know, you can look, if you break down a couple of goals that we've conceded, sure, you can say maybe, you know, a player made a mistake, but what happened before it got to that mistake? You know, could the midfield have, have done a better job of closing down a midfielder uh, that, that had the chance to play a ball through? Could, uh, after we lose the ball, could we have done a better job of, of pressuring high up the field and winning the ball back quickly? Um, you know, there's so many things that go into it. Uh, and to me, we just haven't, we, we just haven't been quite in tune and sharper, sharp enough that we need to be if we're going to be successful defensively. And like I said, we're, we're not, we don't have individually talented players that are talented enough to go out and win games on our own. And that certainly is true for defensively as well. We're going to have to defend with all 11 guys. There, there's not one guy on, our, on the field that can take a break when we're defending because if that's the case, we're just going to leave teammates out to dry and that's never going to be a recipe for success. So to me, uh, it's back to the drawing board. It's what can we do in training to work on our movement together uh, clearly the back four in the midfield, we have to, you know, be supporting each other a little bit more. Um, we have to keep our lines tighter. With all that being said, you know, we have to stop beating ourselves. And that's the one thing. Uh, it was a big theme for me. I don't know how long ago it was, maybe three years ago, two or three years ago. A big theme for me was just, look, well, we're beating ourselves. Teams aren't coming in here and playing us off the park and scoring these wonderful goals. You know, we're, we're, we're making it so easy for them by – doing things that, you know, we know how to do it. We're just not executing. So for me, it just comes down to executing, down to um, making sure that, that we do the right thing. 
defensively where we're not going to leave a teammate out to dry. We're all going to be shifting together. We're going to be moving together. We're going to be covering for each other. In case a guy does make a mistake, uh, then we can be there to help each other out because this is going to be a full team effort. It's not just going to come down to one or two guys. So we'll be all right. We need to work on a couple things, but we'll be fine. We're talking about the defense in the back line, and uh, you know today at the training facility, obviously got word that you know Gonzalo is out with a hamstring injury, as well as uh, Gideon and Ronald. So your defense is is pretty depleted at the moment. But also saw uh, a new face in, in Hanover today. Amobi Okugo is in a, on trial with the Red Bulls. Can you just tell us what you've seen from him? He's a guy that has some experience playing center back. Uh, had some good years with the Union, uh, some time with Orlando City and Sporting Kansas City as well. Yeah, no, Amobi is, uh, is a guy that I think we all know very well. Um, he's been in the league for five or six years now. He's got tremendous experience. He was a, a very vital part to Philly, um, you know, back when, you know, they were playing a little bit better and, and making the playoffs. And, uh, you know, Philly always gave us trouble, and Amobi was a big part of that, whether he played in midfield or, or defensively in the back. So, um, you know, we know his value. Uh, I think he's probably just been waiting for the right opportunity to pop up. Um, being patient, and, you know, that's a good thing for us. So, obviously, we need to see where his fitness is and, and need to see, um, you know, how he adapts to the way that we like to play and the system that we play. But you can tell right away that he's technically very good. He's, you know, kind of a midfielder that's been uh, kind of groomed into the center back position. So, you can see technically he's very sound. He's comfortable with both feet. Um, you know, he's uh, he's similar to Gideon in a way that he's not the the tallest guy in the world when he plays in the back, but but he's got a, a good head on his shoulders and he reads the game really well. So those are things that I remember from him. Um, obviously, uh, you know, we'll see how he comes into training and does. Um, you know, we're hoping he does really well. So that could be another potential great option for us to sign um, because at the moment, you know, we're, we're, we're certainly thin back there. But, you know, we uh, we have guys on the team that, that, that want to contribute, guys that want to step up. So whether that means a young guy like, like Zach Carroll, um, you know, has to step in and do a job, whether that means, you know, I have to step in and play center back for a couple of games, you know, I think guys are willing to do whatever it takes to, to help this team be successful. That's that unselfish family mentality that we have on this club. So, um, you know, if Amobi can step in and help, great. Uh, I think that would be, I think that would be fantastic. Uh, do you have a lot of experience playing center back, Dax? <laughs> you know what's funny? The only experience uh, that I have playing center back, it's not even really center back. It's, it's playing sweeper. I played sweeper for my club team back when we were like 13 or 14 years old, and I loved it. It was a great position. We had like a stopper in front of me. We had two two uh, other defenders that just marked the forwards wherever they went. And I could just kind of read the game and, and be casual on the ball. It felt like Beckenbauer back there. So, um, you know, I, uh, I I certainly don't have any high-level experience playing center back. As you guys have probably, you know, noticed over the couple of years, whenever we've had a red card at center back or, or an injury, uh, before we're able to get a sub in, I'm usually the guy that plugs in back there and plays center back. So I had a, I think I had about a four-minute stretch before Carl got in the game against Houston where, where I filled in. And, you know, I... Uh, I was kind of running around like a chicken with my head cut off, but luckily, you know, I didn't concede a goal when I was back there. So I'm going to make sure Jesse sees the tape, and if he needs me to step in, I'm going to do it. If you, if you probably, if you added up all the minutes that I filled in for for guys, you know, whether it's injury or suspension or whatever, maybe for the for the couple minutes here and there from each game, I think it'll probably equal about 30 minutes, and so that should give him enough uh, enough of a gauge to see where I'm at center back wise. So. 
I don't know. We'll see. If you had a if you had a combination of me and Connor back there, I think uh, I think it'd be pretty imposing. I think that would really be something to see. Let Let's <laughs> close here. Here, obviously, uh, I'm sure you've seen the ESPN FC MLS player survey that was released this week, and um, I'm curious as to your thoughts about being named the most underrated player in MLS considering you made the best 11 last year. I, I thought that was very interesting. So maybe you could share your thoughts with us. Yeah, well, there's there's two schools of thought for me. One is that I've been in the league a long time, and I have a lot of friends around the league, and they just really like me, so they want to make me look good. Um, and they don't actually think that. You know, that's one school of, that's one school of thought. Uh, and the other school of thought is just that, you know, I, I have been around a long time, and, and um, you know, I think that on the field – um, you know, I've just tried to do my job and I've said this to you guys before. Um, you know, I'm a confident guy. I believe in my abilities. And I believe in my, uh, you know, my qualities and ability as a player, but I never, I'm never the type of guy that's I'm in the type of player that's going to stick out like a Robbie Keane or a Bradley Wright Phillips, um, and be like a flashy guy that's going to score a ton of great goals and, and, you know, be a playmaker like Sasha and rack up a, a ton of assists. Um, I just I want to be a guy that does a little thing that my teammates can appreciate, and my teammates and coaches if they see things like dirty work and um, you know being tuned in and winning second balls and winning tackles and you know winning the ball back to our team so we can go forward. Just doing all the little things that you know the the casual fan might not notice, but other players around the league notice that type of stuff. And um, you know the way I've always approached it is look, I, I want to be a guy that that steps on the field and you know when other teams play against you know, our team, they say, you know, we would love to have that guy on our team. So, um, you know, I think I've been able to do that throughout my career. Um, Certainly more so, I think, these past couple years in New York. uh, The players that we've had have made me look good. I mean, that's that's the truth. We've had so many good players come through, the Red Bulls, and we've had so many good teams. Um, I think it's easy for me to play simple and and to look, uh, quite frankly, like a better player uh, than I am. So, I'm just, uh, you know, it's flattering and it's humbling. Um, obviously, I, I, I put a lot of stock into my peers' opinion. Um, and so that means a lot to me. And uh, I certainly believe that I'm not the only guy that should be considered underrated. Um, I mean, we have a whole team full of guys that are underrated. You know, Lloyd, Mike, even Brad. I mean, these types of guys are, are, are guys that don't even get near enough credit that they deserve. Sasha, Felipe, uh, both could have been all-stars in my, in my opinion. Um, Luis, you know, he was goalkeeper of the year, so I don't think anyone's going to underrate him anymore, but he's been <laughs> underrated for his whole life. Um, and so, yeah, it's flattering, like I said. Um, you know, I take a, I take a bit of pride in, in knowing that, you know, guys in the league uh, respect, you know, what I do. And, and I don't need, I don't need any, I don't need any more than that. You know, that's, that's all I, I don't really play for awards and accolades and stuff like that. Obviously it's nice. It'll be cool to show the kids one day, but as long as my coach, as long as the coaches and, and my teammates um, appreciate the work I do every day, then that's good enough for me. Well, I'll tell you that that Red Bulls fans uh, definitely do not underrate you. They rate you very, very highly, and they're very glad you're their captain. Dax McCarty wears number eleven for the New York Red Bulls. Dax, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, and I'm sure we'll talk to you as the season continues. Best of luck. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to uh, lucky number 13 on the show. There you go. There you go. Be well. We've got your right, emails coming care. up after this. Thanks, Dax. It's Seeing Red. We'll All be right. right back. Back on Seeing Red. Our 248th show. I'm hoping 
that we can make episode 250 a live call-in, and we will talk about that between now and then. We're pretty excited about it. 250 is a wonderful milestone, as is 248, and we're very glad that you're here listening to this. Third segment, emails and voicemails as well, and here's our one call for the week. Hey, guys, this is uh, Mike from New Jersey, and it's Monday. I should have the case on the Mondays after a long, week, great weekend, but I just can't. I'm thinking about Philippe's goals, and I'm just so happy still from Saturday night all the way to now. Still happy about those two goals. I would have paid twice the price of admission, maybe three times the price of admission, if I knew those goals were going to happen that uh, Saturday night. Amazing, amazing goals. Those are the reasons why you go to watch Red Bull games and stay late to watch Red Bull games. Guys, thank you for the show, and I hope we get another win on April 1st. See you guys then. Fantastic call. Good call. Happy fan. I think all Red Bull fans are breathing a sigh of relief right now after you get your first win. Three points on the season. Seattle has yet to do that. Columbus has yet to do that. So uh, obviously all the teams are going to be jostling for position over the next couple of months if we really figure out who is going to stand out in the league. But, um, you know, as crazy when it was, you got to feel good about Felipe. Here's emails. SingRedNY at Gmail is how you write them. Here's Nick Farachi who writes, At the moment and on evidence of the game, it looks like Grella will simply be called upon to fill in whatever role Verone was playing when he leaves the field, a bit similar to how Verone replaced Grella so often last season. Maybe that's enough, and he'll see plenty of time on the field and will primarily be deployed as a backup winger or striker, but is he in danger of losing out if he doesn't push harder and define himself in one of those roles? Is there a future in which, in which Anatola Bong, who had been called in, as we had mentioned, to the Cameroonian uh, African Cup of Nations qualifying uh, this week, will he be preferred to come on and help Bradley Wright Phillips up top or Sasha to push out to the wing so Sean Davis can come up and help uh, button things up, in both cases leaving Grella on the bench. How can one of my favorite players make sure he's relevant in the evolving team makeup? And and obviously uh, the role that Mike Grella will play I think is certainly up for discussion and a very important point. The player certainly proved his value on Saturday night at Red Bull Arena. What, what are your thoughts on uh, Wither Grella and what impact he can have if he's not starting? Uh, well, it's a good question. I mean, I think it's wholly dependent upon uh, the situation of the game and the personnel that are you know currently on the field. Because yeah, as we saw when Verone was hurt for those first two games, uh, Jesse went with the same exact substitution pattern where he started with a bong to try to you know get a goal because they were down in both those instances. Then he came with Sean R. Phillips, and then it was Sean Davis. So uh, it, it might not be that cut and dry every single time. Uh, you know, with with Verone back in the lineup, I tend to think that Mike would you know be resigned to a bench role. Uh, but I, I don't necessarily, I, you know, he said he has to push himself harder. He's one of those guys that, you know, works his tail off <laughs> That's every not a single day. I mean, I see him at training, and he's one of the, the hardest workers that you will see. And, and I, I think he absolutely has a role to play on this team. Uh, Jesse thinks so as well. He absolutely values uh, what Mike brings to the table. It, it's not just his work rate. It's it's his touch on the ball. Uh, he, I think his ability to break down defenders 1v1 is something that few, if anyone else in the team, has it to his ability. So there's definitely going to be a place for him. Uh, will he be a consistent starter as he was in 2015? I I would tend to believe his starts are going to go down, but I still think he's going to have a, a lot to say about the 2016 campaign. 
yeah, he's going to have a major, major role to play. And as Jesse said, during training camp, um, this team is going to share the minutes in a big way that it really didn't do last year. And when you think about the injuries that the team has already taken and the suspension that the team has taken, there are going to be lots of minutes for lots of players. And yes, he certainly brings a special something when he's on the field. Um, and having that type of competition to get on the field is what you want. Right. I mean, that's that's the goal to build a deeper bench. So players push themselves harder. So they're sharper on match day and not pulling their hamstring. Here's Eric Vieira, who writes, although I'm not complaining about the bye week because we need it. I'm just surprised they gave it to us. Don't you think that all four or five teams that are in group play for CONCACAF should not have a bye this week and the bye week be preserved for when they need it? Um all four or five teams that are in the group play for CONCACAF. Uh, I guess CONCACAF Champions League, I think that's what Eric's mentioning. Listen, um, the league is going to be doing more this year to try and halt play during FIFA windows and during the Copa America group stage. They will do that. And so you have to remember that I believe it was uh, there was one point last late last season that Don Garber, whether it's his state of the league or some public appearance where he said that the league is not necessarily going to schedule games during uh, FIFA windows, but that individual teams may choose to play during the windows, and it really is up for them. For instance, this Saturday... The, the night after not only the U.S. plays Guatemala in a World Cup qualifier, but the night after the U-23s play Colombia in the Olympic uh, playoff, NYCFC is hosting a game, D.C. United is hosting a game, and Vancouver are hosting games. In the case of NYCFC, <clears throat> since the Yankees aren't playing yet, they are jamming as many home games in before the Yankee season starts, uh, to get them in so they won't have to dance around the, the Yankees' uh, traveling schedule. It's beneficial for them to do that. Is it beneficial for soccer? I know the D.C.-Dallas game, lots of players are going to be missing on both of those teams. And so, yes, I agree that it's a shame, but uh, you just, I think, have to be thankful that the Red Bulls happen to have a break the week after they lose these players to injury. Don't you agree, sir? Yeah, I, I actually uh, brought this up with some of the guys today at training. I, I asked Luis uh, and I asked Sal about you know the, the prospects of having a bye week just so early in the season because you know three games down, I, I, I tend to believe they wouldn't be so fatigued that they're really looking forward to a bye week. And yeah, this, especially after a win, they said they were you know they were hoping they could get back on the field mm. and, and kind of get back into the swing of things. But you know at the same time they're you know they're, they're glad at least that you know with with the international window they have some time off and with these injuries. I mean, Jesse Marsh was the most ecstatic of the three that said, you know, we kind of need this time. And, it, you know, with, with these injuries that came out of nowhere, we're going to use this time to heal up and, and get everything right and make sure that come New England on April 1st, we'll be ready to go. Yeah, there you go. Okay, here's uh, Cody Corrette who writes, Last week I said my concern was New York's ability to score after facing teams that weren't even knowing known, I guess, for their defensive abilities. This week, getting four at home in the manner they did by coming from a trailing position each time, uh, not every time, laid to rest some of those. Two were opportunistic, but I take any goal. Going into the game, Houston was getting multiple goals and was not a realistic threat. Yeah, they scored five against Dallas, 
but a couple were flukes. When a team is chasing, it's usually going to guarantee at least one additional goal. That said, they scored two that they probably shouldn't have happened today either. What the center defenders doing up so high up the field is beyond me, especially when Will Bruin is dancing between them. He's not a great player, but he never wavers in his ability to get a goal, particularly off the long ball. Whatever your guys uh, harm this season with interviews, it worked. Mark, I think your relaxing voice allowed Felipe to meditate and live in the moment, forgetting the past and readying himself for the weekend's match. It's time you guys go through the whole team to get everyone on the same page. Make sure you choose Ronald Zubar for your next interview, <laughs> and it'll have a similar effect. That's Cody. Thank you so much for your email. Um, here's Chris Harrison. Hey, guys, love the show. Interviews are great. I look forward to it every week. And by the way, if you're new to the show and haven't been listening for very long, you know that one of the keys to getting your emails read on Seeing Red is to butter up the hosts. We want to hear just how terrific we are. And if there's a tiebreaker, we don't go to away goals here on Seeing Red. We don't go to penalties. We go to sucking up to the hosts. So I want more of that. Come on. We've guys. really gone away from that ever since I, I, I kind of took over the reins. It's, it's, it's a real shame. I feel I'm taking a little bit personally. Eric needs the ego stroke on a daily basis, <laughs> and we want to make sure that you're telling us how wonderful we are. So here's Chris Harrison, who says, Love the show. Interviews are great. I look forward to it. Are you sure? I'm sure you're talking about depth with all the injuries, but what about international call ups? I read that Kamar and Carl are going for the World Cup qualifiers, but who else will we lose with the summer tournaments around the corner? Uh, I don't believe that we will lose anyone else, although obviously Abang may continue to go back. I don't, uh, shame on me, but I don't have the African Nations, uh, Cup of Nations qualifier schedule handy. Um, it's a possibility that we'll lose him, but I don't think we're going to see a lot of players go. No, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, you might see, as we saw in uh, the January camp for the U.S., Luis Robles earned a call-up, so he might be eligible to, to get some time. Uh, but the two that you'd, you'd think of right away, as you mentioned, were Kamar Lawrence and Carly Met, who have both been, you know, regular contributors for Jamaica and Canada, respectively. So those are the main two guys. The final and masterpiece of an email uh, that's coming up next is by our frequent listener, Thomas McLaughlin. And I don't know, Eric, are, were you a boys to men fan? Are you are you young enough? Are you old enough to know boys to men? I'm, I'm old enough to know who they are, but they they didn't really fall into my uh, into my range of into your musical uh, t- milieu. There you go. So, boys to men is a mid uh, '80s '90s R&B soul New Jack Swing group, and you can tell that Thomas is a big fan because he has included many. Boys to Men song titles in his email. And here it is. He calls his email Bulls to Men. Dear Dan and Dave, <clears throat> I'm a longtime original edition fan of your show. You are still the finest podcasters on the internet. You've built such a fantastic show, even your temporary hosts can't help but be somewhat decent. It's an honor to type at you. I think that's part of the sucking up, Eric. <laughs> I don't, I don't. With the significant injuries to Ba, Zubar, and Verone, We now get to see what the team and the coaches are made of. After four seasons of loneliness, Petke and Morris were able to pull together and motivate talent, and we were doing just fine. We were looking toward one sweet day when Dax would lift the cup, but sometimes the water runs dry, and it looks like a season will pass you by. With three crucial players down on bended knee, 
Could this be the end of the road? With Verona injury, it seems like it's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday as we see once again the BWP Sam and Grella attack. They were the uh, largest, uh, the hugest scoring unit last year. Just huge, very huge. They should be able to come close to that degree of hugeness again. In the defense, could Kamar take the center position for a while? And let no less than Thierry Henry's favorite little lefty handle the left side. Is this lineup enough to get us through this stretch of bad luck and have us saying thank you in September, in November, excuse me, instead of listening to the rest, of, living the rest of the season brokenhearted? P.S. I think the Red Bulls are going to mow down Philly. Of course, Motown Philly being one of the big Boys to Men albums. If you are not a fan of Boys to Men or are unfamiliar with them, I think this is probably lost on you, but I will tell you, while they were not exactly my favorite group, I do appreciate the creative effort from Thomas McLaughlin. Thank you so much. Let, let's talk about this next little stretch. Uh, after this week off, the Red Bulls go to New England on Friday the 1st, then they have the home date against Kansas City, and then they do the two-match uh, you know, the, we, we go through the first time that the team's going to play three matches in eight days, uh, the ninth at home against Kansas City, at Wednesday, at San Jose on Wednesday the 13th, and I will be there, I'm very excited about that, and then at Colorado Rapids, uh, who I don't believe will have Tim Howard yet, but they will, I think that, that may be the first match for Jermaine Jones in a Rapids uniform. We'll have to check on that. Um, I'm sure that Dax is really excited to play Jermaine Jones again. Uh, that's a challenging stretch of matches over the next four weeks until we get these healthy players back, Eric. Yeah, I think that's what makes it so much tougher is that at a time when it looks like, okay, maybe they've turned a corner, maybe they can start to you know rattle off some wins here, then they have those injuries, and it's kind of you know next man up to the nth degree where they got to just put a uh, piece together, you know, whoever's able-bodied and can, you know, step into the lineup. So, especially when you have these these uh, you know, multi-game weeks where it's going to be testing the fitness and the ability to bounce back on the road, you know, long travel. It's going to be a big test and I think uh, Jesse Marsh understands that and he knows what he's up against. Yeah, he definitely does. Three of the four matches are away from Red Bull Arena, and of course the one home date is against the team that so far has started the season three wins undefeated. And this is, I believe, well, it's the first of a number of times this season that the, that the Red Bulls will pull three out of four games on the road. Uh, then after that, they're home for Orlando and FC Dallas. And, uh, you know, this, this is... This is a tough road early in the season, especially with the team is going to be missing some players. I do agree uh, with McLaughlin's message that you know, the, the players that will be uh, there running the attack are the same players, BWP Sam and Grella, that did so much damage last year. It's, it's a shame that the fans didn't get to see you know, a full 90 minutes of the new and improved and assimilated Gonzalo Verón, and we're just going to have to wait a little bit longer for it. But... Um, it's going to be a challenge, but this is MLS in March. It's still March, and uh, it's going to be. Uh, it, it may take a little bit longer to get the engine primed and pumped and running on all cylinders. But obviously, four goals in a match. I mean, they would prefer not to win every game four three, but they certainly have the firepower to do it if they need to. And as you touched on, Mark, just following up, it will be uh, Jermaine Jones will be eligible to play. It's their seventh oh, game of the season, boy. so we could see our, our favorite scissor tackling friend, uh, you know, up at Dick's Sporting Goods Park. That that that's a big match. All of a sudden, that that's big. All right. 
Uh, we've come to an end of yet another super fantastic edition of Seeing Red. Hey, if you do you like stickers, Eric? Do you like? Are you a sticker fan? I'm a big fan of stickers. We have the Seeing Red stickers. They are in. And if, in fact, you are interested in procuring one of these Seeing Red stickers, all you have to do is write us at seeingredny at gmail.com and say, I want stickers, and also include where we want you to send the stickers. We have gotten some emails from fans saying, I want stickers, which then requires us to reply and say, and where would you like us to send them? I'm so glad you want them. So send us an email with your mailing address, and we'll get stickers out to you. We're starting to see them out in the world. If you're on social media, take pictures of your stickers and post them on our Facebook page. Post it uh, right to us on Twitter. We love seeing our fandom go out. One of our um, one of our fans, uh, Beth uh, Salvato, took her Seeing Red sticker and put her on her tailgating cooler, which is awesome. So every time they go to Red Bulls games, there's a little Seeing Red sticker on the cooler to remind them uh, maybe they listen while they're tailgating. I don't know, but very, very cool. So write us like that. Again, we're two weeks away from our 250th episode, which we are going to attempt to make a live call-in, and we hope if, in fact, you are doing that, we'll give you plenty of advance notice. Um, If there are particular guests that you would like to see at SR250, I'd like you to write us on Twitter with hashtag SR250 and share with us who you would like to appear on our 250th show. So uh, that's it from here. For Mark Fishkin and Eric Giacometti, thank you so much for listening. Dax McCarty, thanks. And uh, we'll see you next week, folks. Have a good night, everyone. Thanks for listening to Seeing Red. Since 2010, your New York Red Bulls podcast. Find us at New York Red Bulls Radio at TuneIn, Backheel.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and SeeingRedNY.com. Wow, 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 w